Welcome back to The Zero Podcast, where we talk about lifting, coaching, and more. You can learn more about Zero by going to www.zero.com.au. That's Zero with a W. We are also proudly sponsored by Establishment Coffee. Head to establishmentcoffee.com.au. Use the code 025 for 25% off and free shipping. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe. That's what all the cool kids say. And if you're on Spotify, hit that five-star review. We love it. Enjoy the show now. All right, we're back. How you been, guys? What's been happening? Not much. What about you? No, nothing. Nice. Another week. Another Another week back on the grind. Is this second week back to work or third week? Another dollar. Second. Second. Second? Is is it only the second week back? No, third week back. No, it's the third week. Oh, yeah, it has been. Because last week was a whirlwind. (laughs) I never stopped. (laughs) (laughs) Grind never stops. You got a really good grind set, Tombro. Yes. The grind set. Yes. All right. I'm changing my what have we been up to this week to what have I learned this week. And I think I'm going to do that for myself every week. It's up to you guys whether you go what have you been up to or what have you learned. Uh, but this week, I don't know if you're aware of it, James. You probably are because everyone else seems to be except me. But there is like a very defined fruit racism that exists <laughs> when it comes to mangoes. Yes. So are you a fruit racist? No. I Don't lie. Nah, but don't I, lie. I accepted them all <laughs> until Bridget. So Bridget until turned you po- into a racist. Until it yes. was pointed out. I was, I was not a fruit racist. Until this year as well, until someone pointed it out to me. Now, yeah. I, I like all mangoes, but Kensington Pride is the clear winner. <laughs> well, it's not. It is. Notice how it's got the word pride in it as well. Mm. <laughs> Holy racism. <laughs> mm. Wait, so what did you learn? That fruit racism exists. I just thought you ate a mango when you feel like a mango. You do. It D- doesn't It doesn't stop at mangoes. <clears throat> like, it's everything. It's the type what of else? apple. It's oh yeah, the type of banana. Yeah, the type of kiwi. Yeah. Oh kiwi, I don't know. I don't know much about. I oh, just got to go gold. You, I just can't go gold back after green. having gold kiwis. Yeah. Really? Mm. All right, I'm gonna try gold kiwi. Yeah, it's so good. Do you guys eat apples? Yeah. I just don't eat fruit. Full stop. <laughs> so doesn't eat I had fruit. an apple the other day from Flannery's. It was an organic apple. I wanted a mango, but it was thirteen, 13 bucks. Dollars. Like, Hell no! <laughs> I'm gonna offer an apple, and uh, it was literally the best apple I've ever had in my life. Mm. What? Mm. Crunch. Sweetness, size. <laughs> it was good. Australia is interesting because they only display like the five key types of apple here. Mm. New Zealand, they have several more varieties, and apples range so much in how good or bad they are. And we just seem to have not so great varieties here. We no, we actually don't. Eh? They're yeah. always flowery and yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't really like apples. So what Tombro was saying before, uh, circling back to the mango things, is. We got Kensington Pride. Mm-hmm. We got Honey Gold. Mm-hmm. We got R two E two. There's Calypso and Calypso and Bowen and Bowen. So there's probably more, but that's all I can think. If of. you're a mango enthusiast, racist, yeah, I want you to comment uh, on our next mango. Instagram reel what your favorite mango is. CJ, are you a mango racist? Just eat anything. He's Filipino, so he, li- he likes a green mango. Green mango with bagoong. Don't eat too much. Your yeah. Diarrhea. Yeah. So green mango with shrimp paste. Nice. That's a Filipino yeah. thing. That's what um, Lem brought to the going away party for Leo the other day. Did he? He brought green mango. Where'd he get green mango? I don't know. Probably a mango tree. It was trip. covered in something. I wonder if it was like tahine or if it was the shrimp paste. It might have been, wait, tahine or tajin? I thought it was tahine. 
What are you talking about? <laughs> it's like a spice. The Mexican um, chili powder. It's that's delicious. Oh, okay, yeah. Pretty sure it's tahini. James. Well, depending which uh, <laughs> where you learnt your Spanish. Uh, okay. What yeah. do you mean? You say tahini, trying to be all Spanish, but then you say chipotle. <laughs> Chipotle. Chipotle. <laughs> Wait, how am I supposed to say it? Chipotle. 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 I don't go. know if that's right, but yeah. <clears throat> all right. What have I learnt this week? Um, I'll cover it soon. Here's what I've learnt. No, Can it just be go straight into it. Go straight into your what you've learned from your 75 days sober or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in day 15 or 16 of 75 hard. Which, which step are you up to? Step uh, 11. <laughs> forgive, <so> forgive your enemies. <laughs> so if you guys listening don't know what 75 hard is, it's a challenge that was invented by Andy Frizzell. Frizzella, is that his name? Yeah. Yeah. Frizzella. yeah. So it's just 75 days of two 45 minute workouts a day. Um, I actually only realized this in the last week. One of those workouts has to be outside. Mm. I didn't know that, so I haven't been doing it. Technically, I failed already. Um, only because not all my workouts are outside. Wait, didn't you say that you walk poods as one of them? Yeah, but I haven't it's walked them. Uh, he won't walk in the rain. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I yeah. was saying, what if you live somewhere where it's really cold and it snows and you can't mm. do a workout outside? Stay hard. Why can't you do a workout outside? Put 100. on a coat. Yeah. Touche. What if it's like <laughs> Siberia? Put on a coat and grab an AK. Yeah. Learn Russian. You're good. Um, Want results, no excuses. <laughs> <laughs> Zero weakness. <laughs> um, all right. So what have I learned so far from doing 75 hard? I've been doing it for 15 or 16 days. Oh, sorry. I'm all over the show. So two workouts a day. Stick to a diet. No alcohol or cheat meals. Uh, read 10 pages of a book. Drink a gallon of water. Drink a gallon of water. Um, I go a gallon of fluid. Mm-hmm. So it's Pepsi Max, whatever, sparkling water, coffee, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, <clears throat> what I've learned so far is I can actually control my eating habits. Hmm. If you want to, yeah. This is the longest I recall in my entire life where I haven't had like chocolate lollies, like shit food, KFC. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. What? So I was just thinking of that. No cheat meals. Mm-hmm. If you plan to eat KFC, technically, it's not a cheat meal. You're right. So you're why don't you right. just plan to eat KFC every day? Because <laughs> <laughs> your boy okay. does not want to be 110 plus no, at gotta, 5 foot 5. You've got to milk the system. <laughs> we were saying that. Just going to duck out and grab my chicken for the week. Yeah, yeah that's right. Chicken and potatoes. <laughs> nice. Fried chicken and chips. So, yeah, what I've learned is I can control my eating habits. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah. All right. What about you, Bridget? You doing what have you been up to or what have you learned? Um, it's kind of a similar, similar thing to James. I'm not doing 75 hard, but we've been doing this thing where we're not going to eat takeaway food for a month because I was eating takeaway food maybe like two or three times a week. It was pretty bad. And I was usually doing it because I thought that I didn't have time to cook when I got home from work, if I got home late. And I do have time to cook. That's what I learned. It, I can cook something up in 10 minutes. I mm. was just being lazy. So that's what I've learned this week. Mm. When you say eating out, you know, or getting takeaway two or three times a week, it's really interesting. Like, so the place that I lived at last, I lived in an apartment and was surrounded by normies, like people who weren't interested in obviously health or training or anything like that. And there was Uber Eats cars there nonstop basically every day. Like crazy. That would, the, my next door neighbors, especially the ones directly next door, every single night there was a bag of something outside of their house. 
and uh, I I didn't realize that people ate out that that much mm. or spend that much money on food because I'm I'm the polar opposite. So in the absence of being with Meg, I would never step foot in like a McDonald's ever. Now I'm there at least 16 times a week <laughs> uh, because Meg eats that stuff a lot, uh, which is fine. But I, it's just not something I do. I just don't really spend money out on food or get takeaway food. Mm. So it's it's quite foreign to me. And that's not some sort of a flex or anything like that. I was just saying it's like to see how you saying two or three times a week, that's bad. When these people are doing it literally every day, it's like, yeah. no, that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> I used to always look at you and Daniel and be like, fuck, I need to be like that. I'd see you guys prep every meal, no matter how busy we were, no matter like, you know, when we were at comps for like three days straight and I'd be fucking ducking out to go get food. I'm like seeing you guys, you guys are way busier than I'm like, even these blokes prep uh, their food. See, Daniel's a level up for me. I don't do it for comps. Historically, I've just shown up with nothing. Mm -hmm. Now Meg normally packs me food of some sort or shows up with food of some sort. I'm just normally a cockroach and just like sneak people's food from <laughs> but, under their nose. But so, Tom, bro, I've worked with you since, I don't know, 2018 or... A while. Yeah, whatever. Um, and I've never seen you buy lunch in that entire time. One time you asked me to get you some chicken from the supermarket and that was it. I can literally recall it. You asked me to get you two bags of 300 gram chicken. Huh. I wonder what that... Because... I can't remember. You're going out to dinner that night, so you just had chicken for lunch. I was just fasting. Yeah, eating out. Yeah, <laughs> nice. But that's it. Mm. That what you said, James, reminds me um, of my client the other day talking about how she just felt a little bit out of sorts with her food this year mm -hmm. because everybody in the office always packs their lunch, but she'll get food out. And the choices that she's making for the food out are pretty good. Mm. Um, so if we're not talking financially, like her eating out isn't inherently bad mm -hmm. but that comparison can make her feel so much worse about it so i think that the way or however you want to eat um and what you define as eating well has to be on your own terms otherwise you'll always compare yourself to absolutely the other, there's someone else doing it better anyway mm -hmm. or eating cleaner or prepping more meals but it doesn't matter yeah mine mine was more out of a, a financial uh, Same. uh it was a financial thing yeah so it was like, i'm spending way too much money yeah like you know uh so i haven't i've been making my coffees in the morning uh, making them at work as well instead of buying them. Uh, not buying a coconut water every time I go mm. train. Not buying a Maximus or whatever. Mm. Well, so that's what blows my mind when I think of people who do Uber Eats. Mm. Is how much and I I've never had Uber Eats. Like I've never had the app on my phone. I didn't learn how much it was until the time you got Subway. <laughs> and I, I was like, oh, how much was that or something? And you're like, I don't know, thirty bucks. And I'm like, bro, come on. <laughs> Seriously though, how much was it? Like, you know, Subway plus the delivery. It's like you're like. 30 bucks. I'm like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> I, I think I've said it on the potty before, but Tom Bray used to roast me for it. So I used to like, when the Uber Eats would come, I'd quickly try to get it, <laughs> eat it, stash it away. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just very like staunchly anti Uber Eats. Yo, it was pretty, it was lazy of me. <laughs> this is somewhere down the road. Uh, um, all right. Meg, did you say what you've been up to? You kind of glossed over it. Are you going to go did. what you've been up to or what you've learned? I feel I'm, I'm prepared for the what I've learned. So I'll just do what, what I'm up to. We watched two movies on the weekend, Pumping Iron and Whiplash, both equally good. Nice. Very rewarding. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, What's Whiplash? Chill. Whiplash is about a drummer who goes to the best uh, music school in America. 
Um, and it's just about, I guess, resilience and what it takes to actually be the best and how it can be quite horrible. Is it a true story? No, but no. it's a really good movie. It's a yeah. great movie. Yeah. yeah. Highly recommend. Nice. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Well, what are our quotes? Oh, wow. I actually don't have one. Mine is, don't let the quest for more distract you from the beauty of enough. Mm. Oh, okay. Always appreciate what you've got. Mine's a bit silly. Treat yourself like the M1 Pacific motorway and never stop working on yourself, no matter how inconvenient <laughs> it is to fit everyone else. <laughs> What, did you make that up? No, I, had, I was going through old screenshots this morning and I'd screenshotted it from 2020. And That's still, so good. And it's and still, it's still relevant. It's still so relevant. Yeah. <laughs> 4th of August, 2020. I wonder who posted oh, that. Mm. Uh, mine is a Thomas Jefferson quote. I'm a great believer in luck and I find that the harder I work, the more of it I have. Nice. Oh. All right. <clears throat> you cannot escape the responsibility of tomorrow by evading it today. Mm. Oh, intense. Oh, yeah. All right, just quickly before we get into some topics. Uh, Tombro, how's your training going? You're yep. on the Zero app? Pretty good. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. I'm following the tech- technological overlords, uh, which just goes to show I've never had a coach. And when I program for myself, I normally just break the program. And so I'm committed to not breaking the program and I'm in week three and I've broken the program. So um, I'm uncoachable is what I've learned. <laughs> no, no, no. I know, I know what I'm doing. Um, yeah, it's great, I, I think. I mean, by great, I mean it's raw training. My hip is perpetually getting worse. But uh, I'm getting stuff done and I'm confident I'm going to be able to do something this year. So Let's go. Feeling pretty nice. positive. Yeah. I'm excited. Enjoying training on the app. Uh, we're, we're making some big updates to it so we can push it out there a bit harder. Uh, but it's fun, yeah. You've been doing low bar and heels? Yeah, unfortunately. When's the last time you've done that? 2013, 14? Yeah, it'd be back then. I 14, I did a comp uh, in heels equipped. Um, raw squatting, I was still in flats at the time. I hadn't like competed in heels since 2012 raw. So yeah, that that'd be the last time raw 2012. Mm. Yeah, well. Uh, so I've just found that with the the bony changes in my hip, to hit depth and flats, I have to make so much compromise that it's just hurting my back every few weeks and making like deadlifts and squats just set back. So I'm finding I can squat a little bit nicer in heels. I really don't like it, uh, both in terms of how it's changed my squat. I'm so much more, more forward, mm-hmm. and I'm scared my knees are going to cop a bit of a beating. Uh, and also just style-wise, they're so ugly. <laughs> like, they're just gross. Wait, so you'll go back to flat when you start wearing wraps? Nah, I think I'll, for raw, I think I'm going to stay heels. And then oh. when I go back to equipped, the support of the equipment helps me find position with flat. So Why I'll probably you, you put secret heels in your Jordans? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, not I'm not idea. opposed to, like, getting little heel wedges. I've got some. You can have them. Do they actually work? Yeah, so they used to come in the Metcons, the Nike Metcon training shoes. Oh, yeah. And they're really good. Then they're, they're not too spongy? No, not at all. I might check them out. Mm. Mm. Yeah, they're good. Because I don't need... I feel like the heel that I've got for low bar squatting is too much. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I have to go so low to actually hit depth because of how far forward my knees come. They're Adidas, right? Yeah, so I've, I feel like I only need about half the heel elevation to sit in the sweet spot. So, I'm yeah, I'm curious to around with them for sure mm, i'll bring them next time sweet meg dog how's your training going good still mm-hmm. doing bodybuilding i'm running the exact same block as i just did just some heavier bench 
Nice. But all the other things stay the same. Mm. Yeah. Pushing hard. Enjoying it a lot. I saw you doing that uh, single leg glute bridge with the band. Yeah. I've uh, started doing that just for like some rehab stuff. What is it for you? Like, what are you rehabbing? Uh, just my adductor. Uh, really? Yeah. Because it still kind of hurts when I like overextend my hips. So it's kind of a... Uh, your adductor hurts if you overextend your hips? Yeah. Well, that's why at the start, Tom, bro, remember when I kept asking you, I was like, is it my hip flexor? Because mm. it was hurting here when I'd like uh, arch up in a bench. And Tom, was like, no, nah, it's your adductor. And then when I went and got scans and saw Jordan, he confirmed it too. I'm doing it um, kind of for the opposite reason. I can't extend like mm-hmm. fully lockout. So yep. I'm trying to get the range that you're getting. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if it hurts because I can't get that far. Yeah. But that's what I'm practicing. Yeah, nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm. What about you, Gidge Dog? How's your training? My training's been great. Um, Thomas has got me on a really nice development block and squats have been feeling better than they have in a very long time. So I'm very happy. Yeah, you're loving lifting yeah. at the moment. Almost smacked myself in the face with a dumbbell today. Nice. That's <laughs> that, been good. <laughs> no, it's been really fun. So I'm loving it. Reminder, I need it. The amount of people I've actually cut because I'm lazy with chopping my nails is pretty bad. I sliced yeah. her finger open. Yeah, try grabbing the life. dumbbell. <laughs> but I normally, <laughs> pe- <Band-aid> <laughs> I normally cut people's legs when I'm wrapping their knees. Oh, were you doing dumbbell bench press? Yes. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, James? How's your training? Are you doing any um, – are you back at jits yet? Yep. So <clears throat> I am just lifting – the norm, just doing some bodybuilding stuff or some rehab kind of stuff. Um, and then I am, yeah, I trained jiu-jitsu four times last week. No, five times. Yeah, five times. And my adductor progressively felt better each session. Good. Got a little bit more confident. Um, I've trained twice this week jiu-jitsu. I'm going to rest today just to give my adductor a little bit of... You seem sore. You're like hobbling over to the chair. Mm. When? Just before. Today. I feel like I just... I think that's just how he walks yeah, sometimes. Yeah. I'm just always broke. I feel like I'm just always broke. He slowly yeah. lowered himself down. He was like, Ooh. Oh, no. So we did like some uh, conditioning stuff last night uh, and my thumbs. legs are sore. Yeah. 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 But no, training's good. Going to bench and do some uh, upper body stuff today. Mm-hmm. So nice. yeah, everything's good. How much bench? Ah, Not enough, unfortunately. I just found out, you know, Josh Honky, yeah. little jacked man. You know, he's benched 155. Insane. Crazy. What he weighs weapon. 69 kilos. He's very jacked. He's so jacked. Very he's doing jacked. like front lateral raises, some sort of raise yesterday. And I was like, geez, this guy's actually jacked as. Mm-hmm. So jacked. Yeah, mm. we talk about it all the time. Yeah. He looks angry now that he shaved his yeah. head. Yeah, yeah, he looks, he looks good. mean. Hey, <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> Such a good kid. All right. I, wanna, I want you to go to the last question first, the interpretation of the rules thing. Cool. Because right. I, I want to know what you mean by that. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things I want to talk about today was interpretations of rule sets and competition. Mm. Uh, we've all got a different interpretation of what depth is. We've all got a different. Uh, we've all got different understandings of what each you know rule means mm-hmm. and how it's uh, how it's uh, perceived. Mm-hmm. So I just want to talk about a few things like that. So up until like the other week, I've been telling people depth is a. Uh, you know, the top of the knee below the hip crease. And you told me... Hip that's crease isn't a thing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I wanted, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about. So if, what is the, what, like, so depth and competition, what is that, Tombro? Top surface of the knee mm-hmm. is, uh, sorry, the top surface of the leg at the hip mm-hmm. is lower than the top surface of the knee. Okay. Top surface of the hip. So if you're standing upright mm-hmm. and we mark a point 
on where your hip is, like where the actual hinge hip joint is, that point has to go lower than the top of your knee, which is like where your quad's popping out. Okay. But I mean, like, this is the thing, right? That's what the rule books say. And then exactly as you say, it's like, how do people actually interpret it? Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a great point. I love this point. Because I, I thought about it yesterday with Bridget, one of my clients. Um, I was watching his videos, doing his review, his feedback. And uh, to me, I was like, oh, he's he or she isn't hitting depth. Like, they're quite high. And then I asked Bridget, and Bridget's like, no, they're good. I was mm. like, mm, how am I interpreting this? Why is my, uh, how am I thinking, how am I receiving the rule set and applying it to him and thinking it's different to what Bridget sees? Mm. And I just feel like everyone's got a different interpretation of what the rules are and what depth is and other rules are as well. Yeah. Like, when you see some pauses and someone be like, oh, pause that. And it's like, uh, no, you didn't. That was touch and go. But you've, you guys have all done a, you know, you think you're doing a pause and then you watch your back and you're like, wow, that did not look like a pause. Everything feels a lot yeah. slower when you're actually under the bar yeah, as for opposed sure. to watching it back. Especially if you're like testing an opener and James is calling it and then you <laughs> <laughs> well, Scar hasn't healed, brother. That was like two years ago. <laughs> Doesn't matter. I remember everyone was up it's me as well. we all know what you're talking about. I remember Meg got up me straight. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> you guys asked me to do this. I do it and then I'm getting grilled. That's why you're the MC and not the head ref, brother. <laughs> oh, that was so good. No, for sure. Oh, I remember you're like, are you going to call press? I'm like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't pause it and you're like yes I did I was like oh man so funny nah, I'll take responsibility you should be strong enough to press <laughs> it up um, yeah like de- depth is always going to be the thing that's the most uh, can contested contested for sure for sure I got an interesting I answered it on my Q&A last week someone had said uh, do you think head refs should ever call depth from the front I saw that question mm. yeah and I, I very strongly believe that if you are in the head ref chair and you perceive the squat in front of you as obviously high, like without a doubt you can say that was high, then you should call it red from the front. Mm. Uh, Now that doesn't mean you're looking for it from the front, but there are circumstances where you're sitting at the front and you just know it's high. You can see the front of their hip in front of you, Mm. you know it's not lower than their their knee. So you should call it high. And the reason you should call it high is because if a ref on the side gets obscured by the spotters, they have to give a white light. And so this has happened. I remember at Nationals, GPC Nationals 2014, first one we, that was ran on the Gold Coast, uh, there was a video of a woman uh, and she squatted and her squat was sky high, like super high, and it got two whites because the person from the front, uh, back then everyone was told if you're referring from the front, do not call depth. Mm. So the person from the front called it white even though they believed it was high. And then the person from the side couldn't see, so they called it white. And so everyone starts blaming the feds, blaming the refs. Well, the refs were doing what they were told mm. and how they were taught to ref by the rule book, by the federation. And it's not the ref's fault. It's not the lifter's fault. It just happened. Yeah, exactly the same thing happened to me at nationals when I was side refing. There was four. The equipped guy. Yeah, I yeah. yeah, I couldn't see and it was sky high. And so I just had to give white and the head ref gave white. So they got it. But it was really funny because I had to go do s- some work out the back after that. You came over and asked me to go do something, and I think everyone thought I was in trouble. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah, and I mean it's always hard in the in the side refs chair mm. uh, because there are circumstances where your view does get a little bit obscured, but you can tell with all the other information that you have it was high, and you can mm. confidently call it high. But sometimes you get completely blocked, and it happens in the split second where you can see everything, and then just at the bottom, spotter moves a little bit, arms completely in the way, and you're blind. Yeah. 
you're like, I don't know what I, I just watched, so I have to give it away. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it always hurts then when you see it on video and you're like, geez, that yeah, was high. Yeah, like a dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people are like, this person doesn't know what they're doing, <laughs> even though you've done exactly what you're meant to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, an, a big part of why I love this question so much. So for those who aren't aware, uh, my involvement with the APL outside of zero, uh, ground zero running competitions and a few of the other zeros, uh, I, I sit as the technical chair. So I'm, I've been in charge of collecting the changes and writing the new rule book. So our new rule book releases uh, this month. And a big part of what I wanted to achieve with writing the rule book is removing as much gray area as possible. Because I hate that there's so many areas in rule books where we're like, this could be a thing. Uh, or how do you actually ref this? So um, what's, a, what's one on bench that we never call in comps? That's a rule that you can think of. It's in there as a rule. You get taught how to ref it, but we never, ever, ever ref it. Um, <coughs> it's not the finger loop? No. Nah. Is it the rings, seeing the rings? No. Nah. Um, no, we should be refing. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, I no, ref no, no. that. <laughs> I always ref that. Um, I know I'm throwing you under the bus here. Une- un- ex- excessive uneven uh, extension of, yeah. The, oh, yeah. of the elbow. So like when people lock out uneven, there's a rule, but it says excessive and it's like, what is uneven lockout and what is excessive? Mm. And so the way that I was taught was like, if the pl- if you imagine there wasn't a collar on and the plates would slide off, that would be excessive. But it's like, now we're just asking people to use their imagination. Mm. Mm. It's like, do you get a protractor out and like measure uh, the, the degree of the link? You can't do that. So I just removed that rule completely because I yeah, think it's nice. stupid. Yeah. Like, what's the issue? As long as they come to the bottom, push it up, lock both arms out eventually, and there's no bar dip, Good lift. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, like arbitrary rules and across any sport that don't actually mean anything. Mm. It's just when they were, you know, writing the rules, they someone decided this is how this is going to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like another one, like you mentioned, was like un- equipment and uniform. Uh, so we spoke about, you know, how males can take their singlets off. Is yeah. that what we're talking about? Yesterday? Yeah. No, 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 no we're yeah. talking about. Um, I was asking these guys uh, in deadlifts, you know you can take your shirt off, right? Mm -hmm. But the rule book specifies that women must wear a sports bra. What do you think of that? A sports bra. So if you take your shirt off for deadlifts as a woman, you have to still wear a sports bra. Why? Exactly. That's what we were saying. So if if we have to look at a a, a rule book, uh, a rule in the book and say, why is this a rule? I can't figure out why it should be a rule then I believe we should just take it out or change it to be more clear. Yeah. Uh, and so like perhaps that, you know, because that's in every rule book and every rule book in powerlifting, every single rule book except for the IPF rule book is a copy and paste of the IPF rule book. Mm. They are all direct copy and paste with modifications. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so because it's in the IPF rule book, it just carries over to everything. And, you know, there's probably a rule that's like 20 years old. And it probably comes from like old conservatives being like, we don't want titties flying around on the platform. It's kind of like, well, it's the same thing with men. Men are allowed to free ball on the platform. You don't have mm-hmm. to wear underwear. Uh, and so isn't it just then the lifter's responsibility? Like yeah. if, they, if they're okay with their tits falling out, great. I shouldn't keep saying tits, but you know what I'm <laughs> saying? If you're okay with your testes falling out, your balls, your gaggle berries, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> if you're okay with being exposed on the platform, that's up to you. Mm. Yeah, Gaggleberry. <laughs> That's like um, what's a really obscure rule in the IPF? Uh, is it the men's underwear one? 
I don't know if that's still a rule or yeah, like they have to be the the old Y fronts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I like that wall. I wear Y fronts. What's a Y front? Like a the undies that I wear. <laughs> like a undie. As opposed to what boxes? Like, like I boxer briefs, I wear yeah. like a yeah ones with legs. I don't know. Uh, uh, bo- okay. They're like boy leg shorts. Uh, that's you what have girls to. Call. I'm yeah, not I don't calling know what, them. I don't know what boys I'm not call calling them. them they're boy. called boy leg shorts. Yeah, but boy legs don't have boys don't have to call them boy legs because <laughs> they're just legs. Leg shorts. <laughs> you mean briefs? You have yeah. to wear briefs. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like, I thought that was just like a real. My first ever comp was an APU. Yeah. Of Ohala, and they checked that. Yeah, yeah, and we used to as well on APL mm. before we removed equipment checks. Um, a big part of it is like in the, the a lot of new palaces <laughs> won't understand this side of like the rules. Enza, for example, one of their most uh, common products, say 10, 15 years ago, were power pants, which look like undies. And they're just supportive. So it's like a step down. You've got a single ply suit and then briefs, which is like a single ply suit without straps. And then power pants, which are just these weird little undie things on that help you lift more. Oh. Uh, so um, it's basically there to make sure that people aren't wearing those. That's why they check their undies and make sure they're wearing like those Y front types. But the the I would I reckon if I put a survey out to APL and ask every single member, do you know what ends of power pants are? You might have a crowd of like over forties that can say yes, and maybe a couple of equip lifters, but most people would have no idea what they are in their their existence. So it's just like moving ahead with the times, basically. Mm-hmm. You're right. If someone's wearing something under their soft suit, you can tell anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so mm-hmm. obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the. One thing that, um, you know, APL is really pushing and, and is looking to innovate this year is uh, better referee training, which means having very clear, practical examples of exactly what you're looking for um, and defined, uh, defined structure with how to assess certain rules. So, for example, teaching depth and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but also building a suite of resources so lifters can have access to understanding that as well. Because if you're a lifter reading the rule book, it's then open to your interpretation as well. So mm-hmm. make the rule book as clear as possible. But for things that are always going to be a little bit unclear, so for example, ramping, uh, ramping on deadlifts, uh, which is um, the word ramping isn't in any rule book or it shouldn't be in any rule book, uh, but like it's supporting the bar on the thighs. And so you can do the ramping looking deadlift without actually creating support on the thighs. Uh, so that's really quite hard for lifters to understand. Uh, so having video resources to teach people this is okay and this is not okay is going to be a step up as well. So if you're saying that every rule book is just a modification of um, the IPF, IPF rule book, yeah, there's I, I notice a discrepancy between all bench press um, like pause calls versus seeing people compete in the IPF or what's the new one going to be called APA or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, APLA, APLA. Yeah. Um, but now I'm. I don't know. I don't understand why there is that discrepancy. If they're going to have similar wording for that specific rule about having the barbell be motionless on your chest and then calling. The wording is word for word exactly the same. Okay. It's where it's like the press will command will be given when the bar is motionless on the chest. But do you guys not notice that it just seems to be a little bit longer yeah, when well, it comes to... Not necessarily. Like, we shouldn't single out IPF, but there's definitely discrepancy federation to federation. But it's not even a fed thing. Uh, it's a cultural thing, and it's based on um, where you've learned how to ref. This is the ultimate problem with refereeing and powerlifting. 
is that like you've got old people that have learned how to, I shouldn't say old people in terms of age, people who have been in powerlifting for a while that have learned how to referee that then teach new people, but they're teaching them their own skewed interpretation. And their own skewed interpretation is either something that they've made up or they've learned from someone beforehand. And so there's no centralized approach. No one, so for example, uh, you know, we've got a new formation of the IPF in Australia, APA. There's not something coming down from the IPF like teaching this is exactly how this rule needs to be refereed. It's just old refs that have been in the IPF now teaching new refs. And same in GPC and IPL and every other federation that exists. It's just random people teaching random people. And so what it needs to be is centralized from the federation saying, this is the rule. This is exactly what we're looking for. This is how it's refereed. Here, all referees now referee the same. Because even in federations, comp to comp, you're like, how did that get a red? How did that get a white? Uh, for something that's very clear and shouldn't have been missed. And a lot of it just comes down to exactly this point, interpretation. Hmm. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's never going to be perfect because it relies on humans. Mm. So it's never going to be perfect. There's always going to be an element of human error. It's just what can we do, what can we constantly do to work towards having a more consistent, even standard across the board. We're releasing the new APL referee course. Uh, we just updated all the videos yesterday uh, with Nick. Uh, so there's, there's going to be a, a week back and forth to sort out all the new exam questions, all that sort of stuff, but it's coming soon. Yeah. Nice. Very exciting. Yeah, by the end of this month, I'd say. Very cool. Um, did you guys see the other topics that I had? Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> um, so, how important is specific powerlifting equipment? When you say this, are mm -hmm. you talking about like belts, wraps, sleeves, or are you talking about bars, plates? Combo racks. Um, so, I looked at it through yeah, belts, wraps, and sleeves, but then I, later on I was thinking about uh, like when you think about in other sports, the best places to go to training camp. So, for running. Uh, the best place to go for a for a training camp is Kenya, mm. and they don't have the greatest equipment. They don't have the greatest resources and things like that. But it's like one of the most iconic places to go and train. Is that just because like they do that trail up in the mountains or whatever, and it's like if you can't keep up, that's it, you're done. Nah. So what's is it? I could be wrong. The place is called Eta. Uh, I can't remember the name of the place, but that's where like lots of really good runners go and train, mm. and they just live like the Kenyans. Like the food is very simple. Uh, and things like that, but it's one of the greatest places to train. It's not because of the fancy equipment or anything like that. Did we watch a documentary on it once? I think so. Yeah. Last year? And then like places like uh, uh, you go to Dagestan for wrestling. Uh, you know, Dagestan's like a small town, uh, in Russia, which doesn't have a lot. Uh, so that's one of the greatest places to go for wrestling. Um, you know, there's tons of other examples I can think. I just can't think of right now. But I just thought the same with powerlifting. Like we've seen some of the strongest people in the world come from places like uh sorry where's jezza from again how did it naru naru uh people like that so i just want to talk about the importance of uh powerlifting equipment i think that's a little bit different though in terms of none of us are flocking to naru because yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. want to train with with jezza on that one mm. one rack in a dusty shed uh but it's an interesting point because like if you look at powerlifting the powerlifting equivalent of that back in the day it would be like west side mm-hmm Westside or Elite FTS, or you know, there were a, co other, a couple of other cult uh, gyms. For me, it was like Boss Barbell Club on the come up. I was like, I have to go train there one day. And I did. And super training. And I did. Uh, it's not like I moved there and trained there, but 
I'm sure people have made pilgrimages there. I mean, even like Toby moving here to train at zero, you know, people have done it for zero over the years, which is crazy too, uh, to think about. Um, I'll quickly interrupt what yeah, you're thinking. Go. I was just even thinking like Team China and weightlifting. Mm. Unless they're at training halls at competition, they train on pretty shitty equipment. Mm. Like Do they, they don't, really? Yeah. You've seen the videos. Like mm. they, Half of them aren't even squatting out of squat racks. They're squatting off those bench thingies. and Yeah. Yeah. Like they'll have comp standard barbells, but they're all using shitty old bumper plates. Uh, their facilities aren't that great. And it's <coughs> one of the greatest places in the world to train. Well, powerlifting, the the only reason that I have in the past encouraged some of my clients to maybe invest in a membership like elsewhere, like a, maybe a step up from a commercial gym, most of the time has been because uh, they haven't got the right like safety measures in place for bench. A lot of bench, uh, bench press setups in commercial gyms don't have safeties and mm. so you can only rely on asking someone to help, mm. which most people aren't inclined to do. Mm. So that's like a big reason why I've encouraged clients in the past if they're interested in powerlifting mm. or they don't have like the adjustable bench yeah, yeah. and they yeah. have to like really reach hard mm. or um unrack from very low which is just uncomfortable yeah I, I like i think if you've got access to a facility that has everything you need i'd definitely go train there yeah mm. i'd go train uh, like if you're a powerlifter and you're training at uh somewhere near here and you're not training as there so i'd definitely come and train here so mm. you can get familiar with the combo rack the so barbells and things like that like I think of of Kurt Keogh, who I've coached from low nine hundreds to over a thousand in South Africa, and he just trains at a commercial gym. Now he's moving to Australia in like two months, uh, to Perth, and so he'll have access to powerlifting equipment. I'm really curious to see how much that affects his training because as soon as we start going above like three thirty ish on squats, he's using a regular bar with like big plates and the the limiting factor is just how much the bar whips just throws him around. So <coughs> I'm curious to see what it does to a squat training on proper equipment. Uh, I like, I'm a big believer in training around like-minded people. I think that works for most people. Then I think of someone like Kurt and I'm like, I wonder if that will actually make any difference because he's, his strength is built on him as in like, his mindset is like he's doing he's doing the hard sessions regardless of whether there's helpful people there or not. Mm. Uh, so, and I feel the same for myself. I like having people around. So like I like it when the gym's full, but I don't need them to be hardcore powerlifters or anything like that. I just like having people in the gym while I'm training uh, because it's almost like a sense of accountability. Mm-hmm. Uh, I find it much harder to bitch out if if there's people in the room than when I'm by myself. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? What do you think, Gidge? Um, I don't know. Sometimes I think it might have the opposite effect. Like people here who are very spoilt mm-hmm. with equipment and then they get reliant on that particular equipment. And then if they end up, um, I don't know, if things don't go exactly their way on comp day like they do in training, it can throw them off. You know, you should adapt and overcome. I was going to say the exact same thi- mm. to thing to as yeah. well, Gidge, because my first ever powerlifting comp, I was only training out of a commercial gym. Yeah. So I didn't know what the bench or barbell would feel, but I had no idea. Yeah. But now I know. And if you told me I had to go and prep uh, at a commercial gym, there's no chance. I would just yeah. tell myself it feels different and exactly. everything's wrong. Mm. Exactly. It's too late for me, but maybe <laughs> for someone else it's it's not too late. A hundred percent. I think these people that have to train out of, you know, home gyms on this rough equipment, maybe they're a little bit tougher than mm. what people like you and I are, you know? <laughs> 
Maybe, maybe not. Maybe. <laughs> what about um? So what about equipment? Uh, like personal equipment. Personal equipment, like belts and stuff. You know my stance on this. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> yeah, you're really good at that. Nah, I think there's something to be said for. You know, people play the negative side of things, like all the gear, no idea. Mm. I, I think the opposite is true. Like, I, I think I've told this before, but I'll say it again. Like, I remember when I was coming up in BMX and I had bought... And so, um, fuck, I don't even know how to explain it. You can buy a complete bike, which is where you go to, like, a bike shop and just buy a bike off the shelf. Um, but the pros don't do that. You buy, like, custom parts and you build your bike, right? And so I, I had a complete bike that I'd started trading, swapping parts off. Uh, and then I was like, no, I'm going to do the real thing and, and buy a frame and buy forks and buy wheels and custom rims and everything like customized to exactly how I wanted it. And I saved up a lot of money and I spent all my money on this bike and I wasn't any good. But when I got the good bike, I got way better because I felt like I was the real deal. Mm. And so when I see people who are new to the gym if they've got the finances to do it and they want to go out and buy a $300 pair of sleeves and a you know $500 SBD belt or however much they cost now and that makes them feel like a better lifter and as feeling like a better lifter, they put in more effort and try harder, I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. I think don't go out and spend it if you don't need to, uh, but if you want to and you can afford it and it makes you feel like the real deal, why not? Yeah, like yeah. it's a it's a little bit of a look good, feel good kind of thing. For sure. For um, sure. Like I, how good do you feel after like I'll fucking I'll feel like I'll feel like the a worthless this is uh, this is an exaggeration, but you know, I'll feel like a worthless piece of shit until I get like a fresh haircut. And then all of a sudden <laughs> that's a huge exaggeration. But you know what I mean? How much better do you feel? And training's better, everything's better when you, for when sure. you feel good. You look good, you feel good, that's you true. play or train good. For That's sure. why girls get dressed up to go to the gym. That's why we put makeup on and do our hair and all of that. And Looking after yourself is important. Mm. Mm. Definitely. Yeah, it's my, my box up there. I like When I start getting closer to a comp, I have to go on the box. And when I go on the box, I'm like, okay, it's on. It's game time. It's on. So I put everything back in the box because every time I open it, I'm like, this is a serious session. Because mm-hmm. nice. I, um, I went through a little spiel there where I was like, um, nah, why do I care about uh, what I'm wearing to the gym? I need to just train 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 whatever and i was like actually no i prefer picking out what i'm wearing to train mm. and wearing the specific shoes and yeah i don't know and why like not you do it for anything else mm. and you you know you spend a lot of time in the gym why wouldn't you want to dress the way you want to dress and feel good mm. yeah yeah and on top of that you know train the way you play you get used to the equipment that you're using again for me it's a little bit of the opposite thing like i'll bust out my comp stuff one one or two sessions out before comp because then i'm like this is the stuff. And again, it, it turns on in my mindset, which is why I'm so relaxed about, you know, if I do my last peaking bench at Southside, I don't take my own wrist wraps. I just show up and borrow whoever's got wrist wraps lying around. Cause then on comp day, I've got all, all my own stuff and it's my comp stuff. And then it's like, this is what I use. And it like fires me up a little bit. Uh, so I purposefully reserve it for, you know, times like that. So it doesn't devalue it, but mm. I, I have nothing against anyone wearing their full comp gear all the time. Unless you got a white soft suit, you can keep that one in the in the backpack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, a, what a crime! <laughs> white soft suits. That is wild, eh? The white soft suit. Mm, yeah, it's risky. All right. Whoa, the time. Do you, I might save the other topic for next week then? Yeah, sure. That's cool. Um, you got some questions, Tombro, but I got a I got some quizzes. Well, you do your quiz. All right. 
What's this? Maybe I'll save my questions for next week because Meg has to bounce. Do you need to bounce right now? No, I'm all good. All right, so I've got some pop culture quizzes for you guys. Oh, well, I'm out. (laughs) No, 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 they're like movies and things like that. Sorry, let me... You're underestimating how bad I am with pop culture. Um, Why is this not letting me log in? My Achilles heel. What are your questions about? That and geography. Uh, Mine are a little bit more like deep and emotional. Okay. Oh, no. Can we fire? Oh, when do you have to bounce, Mick? Like 10 minutes. Oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we'll have an... Let's do (coughs) both. We'll do one of each. Have you got yours? Yep. So mine, it's just quick fire. Okay. I don't... We don't need to really elaborate on them. All right. Question one. Who played... Yelling out the answer if we know it. Mm Mm-hmm. Who played the keep your scores? <laughs> Who played the role of Tony Montana in the film Scarface? Uh, Al, Pacino. Al Pacino. Tom Bro. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> Who played Eleven in the TV show Stranger Things? Oh, oh, what's her name? Um, I don't know the weird. Oh girl. my god, what's is, her name? It's like three names, isn't it? Mm-hmm. John yeah, Paul Van Dam. <laughs> John Paul Van Dam. James, oh what does god. her first name start with? Yeah. M. Monica. Millie Bobby Brown. Ah! Yes. Bridget, a point. In the TV series, The Office, the US version, who is the regional manager? Who is the regional manager of Dunder? <laughs> <laughs> who is the regional manager of Dunder Mifflin Scranton? Michael Scott. Steve yeah. Carell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the answer is Michael Scott. So Meg, you got you got a point. That's your interpretation, Tom Brown. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My interpretation is you're wrong. <laughs> all right. Which uh, so the score is one all. Yep. Nice. Which nineties girl group gave us hits like Waterfalls and No Scrubs? TLC. TLC. <laughs> Bridget, two points. Uh, another point. Which famous artist was known for painting a soup can? Uh, Any Warhol. Uh, Any, uh, Damn it. Is that Meg Dog? Yes. Ooh, you just know it from the cafe. <laughs> I went to an um, an exhibit of his in Chicago. It was amazing. Damn. Yeah. Nice. All right. In the 90s, the Spice Girls' nicknames were Ginger, Scary, Posh, Baby, and... Sporty. Tom bro. Damn oh. it. <laughs> Is it too old? Yes. Oh, damn. And there's only four questions left. Okay. What show currently holds Netflix all-time viewership record? Stranger Squid, Things? Squid Games. Yes. Oh, really? Nice. Wow. So Tombo's on three. three. Who won the most Grand Slams in history? Tennis. Uh, Djokovic. Yes. I would have no idea. Andre Agassi. So what are you on, Bridget? Uh, three. Three. Tombo's three. Meg, you're two. Yeah. How old is LeBron James? 39. Yes. How the hell? <laughs> Bridget, you've won. <laughs> Unless Thomas gets the next and it's a tie. He might get this next one. Biggest female total in raw powerlifting oh history? God. I don't know. 742? You are so close. 745? Lower. 740. 737. 735. <laughs> <Tom> <laughs> oh, it's tied. It's tied. It's tied. <laughs> Do you have a bonus question? Um, I don't, but I will come up with one right now for you. The bonus question is... <laughs> Ah, flip. (laughs) (laughs) The bonus question is... Meg, you got a bonus question? I'm going to try to think of one. I don't know if LeBron James really counts as pop culture. (laughs) 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 
Uh, oh, no. Thomas will know that one. I have to make it even playing field. How do you know Bridget won't know it? <laughs> I just know you'll know it first. What is it? It was about Chicken Run. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't know it. Perhaps. <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. Oh, oh no. Go on. No, he'll he'll know it too. All right. Uh, all right, all right. What is... What is Lil Nas's new song called? Oh, Who the fuck is Lil Nas? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> this is pop culture. I don't know. <laughs> this okay. is like tweeny pop culture. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> the capital of Iraq is? Baghdad. Tombro. Oh. That's, That's not, not pop, pop culture. culture. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, okay. It's three all. It's no, three all. Four all. Four all. Okay, four okay, all. okay. We're going to do a tiebreaker later on. All right. Mm. Next episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Zero Podcast. If you want more information, head to our Instagram, zero underscore weakness. Hit the link in the bio for all of our services and any information on upcoming workshops and events. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review so we can have a broader reach and answer more people's questions. Thank you once more. Thank you.